Welcome back, friends. Lost here, and it's time for the newest Kirby's Dreamcast. In this podcast, we're going to talk about everything that has to do with Kirby from the beginning to the present. And today we're going to talk about Kirby's Right Back Atcha, episode 31. If you have any comments about this episode or any others, you can put them up on the YouTube version's comments or send them to at Kirby Dreamcast on Twitter. But first up, we talk about the news always, and I gotta tell you about this. The Kirby Cafe in Fukuoka will be closing very soon, and that will leave Tokyo as the only location to get Kirby Cafe food since it's the only permanent location in Japan. Wait, what? This just in! With only a couple of days left until closing, they've decided to make the Kirby Cafe in Fukuoka permanent! That's right! Kirby has two permanent cafes in Japan! That is awesome. Poyo for everyone! Another news is I announced it in the Kirby's Dreamland 2 episode. Nandroid Waddle D is out for pre-order now. It also comes with a bandana and spear if you want to make bandana D. And you can check whatever importer you like to use for the pre-order there. Personally, I like to use Crunchyroll for the Nandroid imports because it's a bigger company, so... I trust they shouldn't blow the delivery? That's really about it? Uh, you, of course, have to pay for tax and import some stuff on that, but it's not too expensive. But these Nandroids do cost a bit also, so keep that in mind. Another news is that it was recently announced that some new Kirby plushies are coming out. Another Sleeping Kirby and Standing Waddle Dee. A Gooey plushie and a Daroach plushie. As far as I know, this is the first time Daroach has gotten official Nintendo plushie, so nice for them. And other news, last one, I think. Kirby Yura Yura Mascot Volume 4 has been announced. They'll be releasing five figurines. Uh, Beam Kirby, Sleeping Kirby, Waddle Dee, Scarfy, and Marks from July to September 2020. And they just keep making more and more Kirby plushies and other characters and figurines. And they keep making more and more Kirby merch like e almost every month. And I just keep having to tell you about them because there's just so much to buy. Now, obviously, you don't have to buy it all, but oh, I wish I could buy it all. So much new merch. And one last bit of news, the most important news, has got to be the 40th anniversary of HAL Laboratories. They were founded on February 21st, 1980, 40 years ago. And they put out a special website for this anniversary. It's in Japanese, hopefully they'll do an English translation of it, or I'm just going to have to learn Japanese, of course. In the description, we'll have a link to that site. And what it is, it gives you a timeline of just what they did over their entire 40 years. So it's going to show, of course, Kirby and Box Boy and UFO and stuff like that. And they have a short video of them drawing the 40th anniversary image, like this, this drawing with a bunch of the crew drawing it. It looks so cute, it's really nice, it shows just everything Hal has made. And a cool de detail everyone's noticing is, Escargoon's in the corner. <laughs> so he's there. So, Escargoon's canon. I guess he counts now. Um, we have the history of Hal. We've done a podcast with the history of Hal uh, covering Kirby's Dream Land. So, you want to have the founding history, just go to that video or that uh, podcast episode to listen to that. Basically, it was founded by four or five guys that were really big fans of just computer gaming, and they wanted to make their own games, so they did. They came with the name Hal because they wanted to be one better than IBM. Just look at the letters. Yeah, that's the Japanese and their puns, right? Like, that's, that's, got, that's like a pun right there, is the way I see it. Or just them being clever. And they go bankrupt after, was it, 12, 13 years? They go bankrupt. And I think like 12, maybe 11 years. They go bankrupt, and Kirby shows up to save the day. That is a trip right there. And just refer to that podcast episode if you want to learn about all of that. But even from his first day of life, Kirby was a hero. Just... Just think about that. Kerber was a hero from the start. He saved a company, and a company that would bring joy to millions of people for years to come with him. And so that's huge right there. So today's episode is episode 31, Abusement Park, or the Japanese title, uh, Viva, Welcome to DDD Vegas. Interesting title there, I'll tell you why soon. 
Uh, Japanese release was May 11th, 2002. Man, that was a long time ago. U.S. release was February 1st, 2003. In the U.S., this is the 30th episode because they skipped the Ring episode. And that'll be like that for a long time, considering the Ring episode doesn't actually show up in the U.S. until like 70 or 90, if I remember correctly. Now, I don't know what Japan was thinking when they named it Vegas, because uh, this episode has nothing to do with Las Vegas. As someone who goes to Vegas quite a bit every year, I can tell you right now, Japan's idea of Vegas is confusing because, no, there's nothing Vegasy about this episode at all, besides the fact they call something DDD Vegas. That's it. So I definitely like the English title better because there is an amusement park, and so amusement park, nice pun there, uh, that works a lot better. So the episode starts with uh, Kirby sleeping in his tree as the sun rises. A megaphone uh, appears from out of the corner, and King Diddy shouts into it, yelling, Good morning, Star Warrior! The surprise makes Kirby fall out of the tree, and as he's falling, he then bounces off the window of his door as Takori opens it to see what's going on outside, so Kirby's already taken a little bit of punishment for the day. And Takori asks what King Diddy's up to, and he says uh, that he's got an announcement that will make him sing like a bird, and he laughs and leaves. In this scene, we see the King Dedede tank. Now, of course, in the U.S. version, it's got a lot of detail to it, white, gold, and all that. While in the Japanese version, it's more of a military camo. The U.S. version changed that because, well, honestly, it just looks better as what the U.S. version has, and also because militarization and all that. Gotta mention that every now and then, whenever the tank shows up in episodes, in case uh, this is your first episode. So... At the tree in Cappy Town, which is in almost every episode, King Diddy and Escargoon announce that there's an amusement park at King Diddy's castle, and everyone's invited. They throw tickets in the air for all the Cappies to get one, so that it can be admitted to the park. There's going to be rides and food and um, prizes and things like that, so everyone's excited, even Kirby! But not Tiff. She knows King Diddy isn't capable of kindness without an ulterior motive. And after all that, the opener plays, and the opener is awesome as always... And then after the opener, we see everyone's arrived at King Diddy's castle, and we see Mayor Lem is holding a ticket, and we get a full view of the ticket. And it's a drawing of the castle and King Diddy. Now, in the Japanese version, it says Diddy Vegas, which is still weird to me. And so this will be the first time any of the commoners will see King Diddy's castle is what they're saying. With the exception of the times whenever King Diddy has invited people to see the dungeon. <laughs> the thing is, there's also other exceptions, which is the time King Diddy let everyone in to watch him duel the princess in episode 21, and the time they're all there for the dinner with Escargoon's mom in episode 25. So, people have seen this castle, but they're saying they haven't seen it before, which, uh, what? So, various characters see this as a good chance to have fun and take a break from their usual day. You got, like, Gus, he's like, oh, okay, don't have to do gas for a while. Chef Kawasaki's not cooking for a while. Just, uh, various characters just want to take a break from their day. Tiff, however, thinks it's suspicious because, yeah, of course she does. Cerebrum considers that anyone can change while Ladylike isn't so sure. While in the Japanese version, both parents think that maybe King Dedede has changed for the good. But Tiff in both versions is like, no, 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 no. <laughs> King Dedede and Escargoon then have the drawbridge lowered for the Cappies to enter, and we get to see the Waddle Dee army play trumpets as the Cappies come in. The whole setup is an amusement park. There's roller coasters, there's other rides like the key teacup rides and the merry-go-round, just a bunch of things to enjoy, food stalls, balloons, and more. And it's all free! That's a nice place right there. As they show the different rides and attractions, we see various Waddle Dees doing their job or watching the Cappies enjoy themselves. The Waddle Dee army continues to show they're the best army, honestly. Like, there's a Waddle Dee just carrying balloons, of course they're cooking or serving food, serving drinks, 
They're probably also running security and safety and things like that as well. It's just, I love the Waddle D army in this show. Like, you don't see them do much too often, but they are always in the background doing something, like, if you pay attention, and that's pretty cool. But meanwhile, during all this, Meta and the Knights are watching the festivities from a distance. Sword or Blade are very suspicious, while Meta Knight just hmms. <laughs> it's like, hmm. Eventually, Tiff and Tuff find Kirby at the amusement park and question why he'd be foolish enough to come. There's no way there isn't a plot to get Kirby, but Fa-La and Fo-La-Lo think King Didi couldn't possibly be brazen enough to go after Kirby in front of everyone else. So they relent. King Didi and Escargoon then have a float parade and the Waddle army throw confetti into the crowd from the background. We then get to see all the food everyone is, gets to eat for free, and it's quite the spread. Interestingly now, after the food scene is a crane game scene in the Japanese version only. They cut this from the US version, I assume, for time. And in the scene, here's what's going on. Chef Kawasaki is trying to win himself a King Dedede doll, but he fails, and then Gus wants to try at it too. The kids show up and they see there's also Escargoon dolls, Tiff dolls, Tough dolls, and Kirby dolls. So there's all these crane games they could play for all these different dolls. But Tiff's annoying because she didn't get permission for this. And it's just too bad they cut it out because it's a cute scene seeing the doll form of all these different characters. But again, my, my assumption is it was cut for time. That's the only reason I could think because it's just a cute scene. But after that scene, the kids decide to go on a teacup ride. And we see that King Didi and Escargoon are in a room with monitors and computers with Waddle Dee's manning them. And this was, after all, a big trap. Tiff was correct. And they were waiting for the kids to get on the teacup rides. Uh, specifically. Which is the best ride in any amusement park, by the way. I love the teacup ride, that's my favorite. And with them now at the teacups, they have the ride sped up really fast, and he eventually shoots the kids out of the ride onto a roller coaster mid-run. So just imagine this. They're just on the teacups, and they're spinning really, really, really fast, because the teacups, you can move them really fast if you spin it fast enough, and they spun so much that they just lose control of it and get flung out of the teacups. They fly through the air. And then they land on a roller coaster as it's going. So the kids are hanging on to that roller coaster for dear life, and they somehow hold on during loop-de-loops, big drops, just all the spins and everything, just a bunch of crazy stuff. They're holding on throughout all of that. And there's other cappies in the roller coaster as well, too, and they're like, what the heck is with these kids? And King DDD is, of course, enjoying this, but eventually the ride goes so fast that it flings the kids off of that ride into the air, and they go to one of the castle's uh, roofs that has a glass ceiling, and they fall through that. And they somehow survive all of that. The fall somehow doesn't kill them. I guess King Dedede made that glass somehow really soft to not kill them, but also reduce the damage when they fell and hit it, because they land a bit deeper in, like a couple, like 10, 20 feet, and they don't die. Either everyone in this universe is really tough, or King Dedede and the, the Waddle Army just did enough to make sure they didn't die yet. But it shows how amazing the Waddle Army is, because they've pulled off so much physics and planning and timing and all that stuff. Because this was part of King Dedede's plan, which means he needed a team that could pull that off, which is just amazing. Really, like, from the outside view, King Dedede just attempted horrible murder and somehow no one died. It's also possible that the Waddle D Army just, they figured out how to make it that they didn't kill them because the Waddles aren't evil. <laughs> so now they're in this dark area, and Tiff doesn't know where they are. By the way, I don't think I explained who the kids are. It's been a couple of episodes since I've said who the kids are. So we're talking, it's Kirby, Tiff, Tough, Falala, Fololo, 
and also the three campies that usually hang out with Top, and that would be Eero, Honey, and Spikehead. So these are these kids are all here, which means if King Didi just wanted to kill Kirby, okay, but he's got all these innocents he's also potentially going to kill as well, so jeez. So in this dark room, and then a TV comes on, and King Dedede reveals that now it's time for them to go into a funhouse ride without the fun. The kids say no, but then Kirby sees out of his corner of his eye a watermelon on one of the chairs to the ride, and he runs up to it. By the way, in the Japanese version, King Dedede's more upfront about it being a haunted mansion ride, but maybe the US version didn't want to mention that because they want to get in trouble with Disney's haunted mansion ride. Probably that. So, Kirby's running up to his watermelon, and he jumps at it face first, just right into it, and it pops in his face. Kirby's confused, it's obviously a trap, like, it's a trap, and then he just sits there confused. Tuff goes over and tries to get Kirby off the ride, but Kirby's just too confused to leave the ride. So that's not good, the ride starts going on its own, which means Kirby's stuck there, and Tuff's stuck there with Kirby. So the others run over and climb onto the ride to get with Kirby, because they don't want to be separate and they want to make sure Kirby's okay. And there's a visual mistake here. So you have Kirby and Tuff in the front. Then Tiff and Iroh jump into the second row of seats. The third row, Fala and Fala Low get into that one. And then Honey and Spikehead get into the fourth row. But in the next shot and the rest of the ride, we see that Fala and Fala Low are in the front with Kirby and Tuff, while Tiff is still in the second row with Iroh. But the third row is Honey and Spikehead, while the fourth row is empty. And there's no way the kids could have hopped over to it because it's a come-in-from-the-side kind of thing, unless they had some mad skills there. So the ride ends up being basically a flume ride with a big drop, like water and everything, and they end up in this underground place with a fake volcano and other atmosphere to be scary and creepy. Tiss says everything's fake, so they shouldn't be scared, but then a giant King Dedede statue comes to life and chases the kids, and so they have to run for their life. This is the same kind of statue that was in Episode 8 with uh, Professor Curio, and Kirby destroyed that one, so Kirby shouldn't be in a bad spot here. But the problem is, there isn't only one statue, there's multiples, but uh, there's only one right now, I gave that away, whoops. <laughs> so King Dede and Escargoon laugh as they watch from the TVs, but then static kicks in and all the cameras aren't working. Escargoon quickly tries to get things to work again uh, to avoid King Dede's wrath. We then see that the cameras were destroyed, but who could have done it? As they're trying to escape, Kirby tries to eat a statue, but they're too dang big and easily push Kirby away. And the dust from all the stomping makes Kirby cough as well, which is kind of cute, but also not, because obviously it's Kirby coughing, but Kirby's cute as always, so there you go. Then the statue lifts a stone wall to crush Kirby, but then Meta Knight cuts it in two and tells everyone it's a trap. They know that! They obviously know it's a trap at this point. Meta Knight asks why they, they came, and they're like, well, it's not like they tried to come here, but Kirby got stuck on the ride, so that's why they're there. We then see Sword and Blade Knight, and it's revealed that they destroyed all the cameras. And then we get to see the knights be badasses. This is really cool. So a statue tries to jump on them, the same one it's been dealing with the whole time. It goes for a full-on jump at the crowd. Sword and Blade Knight stand and stab their swords into the statue to stop its force and hold it up. Then Med Knight jumps up and cuts it in half. That is so good. That is so cool. That was just, like, it's good to know these knights are actually pretty strong. Midnight suspects, though, that there may be a monster nearby, and he tells the kids to leave and warn the Cappies. They're like, wait, a monster nearby? What are the statues, then? They're not monsters? And then a bunch of statues show up, and they attack the knights while the kids run away. And it's shown that all three knights each destroy a statue, which means Sword and Blade Knight are actually way stronger than we realized, 
And of course, we know Midnight's strong enough to do that himself. But wow, those guys are also strong. Good on them. So somehow, Escargoon gets the cameras working again, despite the fact they were physically destroyed, and they show the destroyed statues and nothing else. King Dedede was excited to see Kirby and the kids get killed, apparently, and now he's mad that he didn't get to see any of it. All he's got is just the rubble. So now King Dedede, Dedede decides to summon a monster. And when he calls Nightmare Enterprises, they tell him he owes them millions, so he's got to pay up. He owes like $7.5 million. And what's interesting is the difference between the US and the Japanese versions here, and what makes sense out of it. In the Japanese version, when King Dedede is told to pay up first, he says he's a customer and customer is God. And for some reason, they just give in and give him a monster, which is okay. I don't know why they would do that. Why would they summon a monster for him when he owes them money? But apparently, all right, just keep building that debt. In the US version, King Dedede says the check's in the mail, which I think just works better. Because he could be lying, which of course he is, but it does convince them to give another monster. And we've already seen in episode, I believe it was 13 or 12, where they can just take the money from King Dedede anyway when they, if they use like the pay-up ghost. So the monster gets summoned, and it's Waki. He's just this little microphone monster. Like, Waki is literally a microphone with legs and a mouth for the second half of the microphone. That's what he is. That's it. And he's been an enemy in Kirby games since Kirby's Adventure. And in case you aren't a game player, I'm not going to spoil what power he gives just yet, but in the show, he is a monster, and all he does is shouts and screams, but no actual dialogue. So King Dedede is, of course, unimpressed with a microphone monster, but the salesman convinces him that with Walkie, they'll have a karaoke contest, and they can use that as a trap. Of course, King Dedede and Esker are like, what? What do you mean? And here's what the idea is. The idea is that Kirby will try to sing a tune with Walkie, and he'll walk on stage. And the stage will secretly be the summoning pad. So they'll summon Kirby to Nightmare Enterprise's Army's HQ, and they'll destroy him there. That's the trap. That's the plan. So they've just run into one trap already, and now they're trying to get them into another trap. So to demonstrate this, they actually have Escargoon sing on stage, and he gets summoned to the Nightmare Enterprises HQ. Now, in both versions of uh, this episode, with all the songs that happen in this karaoke contest, they're either made up or they're based on popular classics. In this first one, Escargoon is actually singing Elvis's Hound Dog in Japanese, while in the US version, he's singing a song making fun of Kirby. So after understanding the plan, King Didi gets really excited, and he grabs Waki. He's like, all right, we're going to do this thing. So outside... Tiff and the kids try to convince the adults that King Dedede is after Kirby again, and at first they listen and they decide it is time to leave for Cappy Town, and the kids are happy. But then, King Dedede and Escargoon announce the karaoke contest, with the prize being 9 million DDD dollars, and second place being a lifetime supply of watermelons. Oh, I said that backwards. Oops. Oops, I said that backwards. Sorry. So, the grand prize is the watermelons. Second place is $9 million DDD dollars. Now you might be like, wait, what? Second place is $9 million, but watermelons is number one? Well, there's a reason for that, and obviously, it's so Kirby participates, because Kirby's gonna want to win if he's gonna get, have some watermelons. And they show a screen of watermelons, and when Kirby sees the watermelons, he gets really happy and starts jumping for joy and says, Pio! Pio! Like, he just keeps saying it. And it's incredibly cute. So dang cute. We also learned from the scene that Gus used to be a singer, but he gave up that career for pumping gas, which is a weird choice, but maybe more financially secure. Now, the Japanese version is interesting in that in that version, the money and the watermelons are the grand prize. That's probably why I messed up, missed up and said that earlier. They're both the grand prize. There's no second place prize. 
And I think splitting up the prizes it works better because it's just funnier with the concept of the watermelons being the bigger prize while all that money's second place. Another thing to mention is the Japanese version, Kirby says Suka Suka instead of Poyo Poyo, which is Japanese for watermelon. This is an interesting thing with Kirby. Every now and then, Kirby speaks English. Also, Kirby calls out some of his attacks as well. That is an interesting difference between the US and Japanese versions. Well, as for the most part, besides the first episode, Kirby usually only speaks in Poyos and sometimes someone's name. That's about it. Like Falala, Falalo, Chili, Tiff and Tough, things like that. And of course, they switched this out to Poyos so that they don't have to explain what a Suka is in the US version, because, well, yeah, they'd have to explain that to translation, all that stuff. Random thing to mention, since I mentioned all that, uh, the rule was for the anime was Kirby should not, should not have the ability to speak. That was one of the two rules they gave. I forget the other one off the top of my head. But one rule was Kirby should not be able to speak. That's what the polios are for. And the Japanese version gives Kirby a lot more dialogue, more vocabulary than the US version does. It's very weird, that rule being there, and yet, there you go. So the Cappies and Kirby rush into the castle for the contest, and we see a big techno setup and disco setup as well. Like, there's got disco balls, techno lights, just all that stuff going on there. And King DDD is dancing on the stage, Escargoon's dancing in front of a TV, and surprise, the salesman is actually there too on the TV screen, repeating the prizes and welcoming everyone while wearing a headset. He also changes his usual glasses to a red set of glasses. As far as I know, this is the first time everyone has seen the salesman. Now, uh, in episode, I believe, 19, which was the episode with um, Knuckle Joe. The Knuckle Joe episode, Tiff Tough. Actually, earlier than episode 12 or 13 with the, with the, the ghost, uh, Tiff, Tough, Kirby, and them have, have seen the salesman that early. So it's interesting to see just everyone sees the salesman, but they just think he's a announcer DJ guy for the show, for the karaoke contest, because, well, what else would they assume this guy is? They don't know about Nightmare Enterprises. So Kirby tries to get on stage, but Tiff grabs Kirby to stop him. And we've seen this in a number of episodes as well, where Tiff grabs him and picks him up off the ground. Kirby can't do anything at that point. He just can't do, get away from Tiff at that spot. So Mayor Lem come, climbs up to the stage instead, and he starts singing. But then he gets jump-kicked off stage by Chief Bookham, who sings a love song that has to do with jail. But Walkie gets taken out of his hands by his own wife, Buttercup, and she sings a song. But then Chief, the chef Kawasaki takes Walkie out of her hands, and he sings a song about cooking. Then Professor Kirio comes in, he just sneaks up and starts singing on the mic as well. Finally, Sir Ibram takes the mic out of his hands with a determined look on his face. And he's like, this money's mine. <laughs> and Tiff and Lady Like are both embarrassed because of course they are. But of course, none of these people are the ones that King Dedede wants. So he mentions the watermelons again and Kirby finally starts running to the stage while Tiff has her guard down because of her father. Sir Ibram starts singing and it's about as good as everyone else is singing. And then he decides he needs to sing a different song, and he figures out maybe Capitown Rock will be what wins it for him. And before he can get to singing, the crowd starts booing, because they want to have their chance at the song, too. The Japanese version, he decides on singing My Way from Frank Sinatra. So then the crowd devolves into a riot, basically, with everyone fighting to get their hands on Walkie. Meanwhile, King Dedede watches with an evil smile, because he knows Kirby will eventually fall into the trap in this mess. Kirby, however, is getting squeezed by the crowd. Midnight tells Tiff that they need to stop Kirby because the mic is a monster and the stage will summon Kirby to Nightmare Enterprises HQ. I don't know how he figured that out, but apparently just Midnight's playing 5D chess here. He's already figured out what's going to happen. 
Probably because they're in the room with the summoning, so he just like that he just put two and two together. Kirby tries to get to the stage, but the crowd just keeps pushing him back. And by the way, in this scene, we also see the thief Doron from the Ring episode. And King Dedede has the salesman show the watermelons again because he wants Kirby to get to the stage already. This distraction is enough for the crowd to stop, and Kirby gets up to the stage, and he uses his vacuum ability. This shows how smart Kirby is, because like, oh, that'll get everyone away. But then the Cappies are also smart, too, because they realize what's about to happen, and they all get out of Kirby's way. Kirby sucks up Walkie, and he transforms. And in this transformation sequence, what happens is a headset flies around Kirby, he grabs it and he puts it on, and he starts having music playing, and he's dancing to the music, it's really happy and everything. And then a microphone flies over and he picks it up as well. And there you go, Mike Kirby. And he's really cute. Everyone watches as Kirby lands, and they realize Kirby has a new power. Med Knight isn't sure what this power is, which is a first. <laughs> but in the end, he settles on naming it Mike Kirby. And then the music starts. And so I'm going to describe this scene in full and then tell you about the Japanese version after, because this, this is the climax. And it's one of my favorite scenes in the show, and when you learn about the Japanese version, it makes it even more interesting. So the music starts, and Kirby starts singing. And everyone starts shaking. Not just everyone, everything is shaking. It's like an earthquake when Kirby starts singing. And with the Kirby starts the song, the salesman hits the summon button, so Kirby gets summoned away as he's singing. And Kirby's really happy when he's singing, and he's getting into it. And Kirby sings in what sounds like a gibberishness going on it has some distortion going on with it and you can hear some poyos in it as well but actually it's all poyos with varying cadences and you'll understand why soon now as he's being summoned the crowd starts holding their ears because it's really bad and really loud and then kirby gets summoned away from them over to nightmare enterprises hq and the monsters move in to attack but kirby's singing is too much by the way uh kirby is happily singing and smiling and his eyes are open and closed at times kirby knows he's singing to monsters at this moment. Like, he visually sees them are around him as he's singing, but he is lost to the song. He cannot stop singing, and so it just keeps going. But the thing is, the monsters start getting overwhelmed by the singing, and they begin to explode. And the HQ starts falling apart from the damage Kirby is dealing. By the way, the monsters we see are a centipede monster, a mole monster, a walrus unicorn, a mollusk, a dragon a weird sucker lizard thing. We see them in backgrounds in some of the flashback scenes when Midnight talks about fighting uh, Nightmare Enterprises with the uh, Star Warrior army. And now they're all dead! <laughs> the salesman can't handle it, by the way. He's like, it's just too much. He calls it uh, like putting nails on a chalkboard while the Japanese version just says it's too much. And he sends Kirby back before Kirby destroys the HQ. That's how strong Mike Kirby is kills like eight monsters like they're nothing, and almost destroys the HQ. Tiff looks defeated because, well, Kirby's over in the other area, but then she's happy to see Kirby's return when he comes right back. But Kirby is really, really, really into the song, and he's still going. And it's just too much for the crowd. Everyone's holding their ears, they can't handle it, and the castle starts coming apart. Lights are falling from the, from the ceiling, things are exploding, but Kirby just does not stop singing. Tiff tries to stop Kirby, but an explosion from his passionate singing blows Tiff away. Midnight catches Tiff, and then Kirby finishes his song. But when he finishes his song, the castle falls to pieces with everyone in it. So everyone's falling from the castle because they were up in a higher level, and oh wow. 
So as they're falling, Midnight says this attack is too dangerous. And Tiff's like, and now you tell me. Because <laughs> this is Kirby's worst attack ever. It's just too strong and they should not let him have that power again. <laughs> and so everyone watches from outside as the castle continues to crumble. And I believe this is the first time the castle has been fully destroyed. We've seen it take a lot of damage in the past, but not fully destroyed like this time. And I'm not sure if this will be the only time it happens. We'll see if it happens again in the future. And after everything is destroyed, Kirby climbs out of the rubble, and he's confused by all the destruction. He's like, what happened here? Where is everybody? Kirby then digs Walkie out of the rubble and happily poyos at him. Walkie, though, is afraid of Kirby and runs away screaming. King Dede and Escargoon also climb out of the rubble, and Kirby poyos at them happily, too, and they run away from him screaming. Kirby watches them all run off, and then he looks at the camera and raises his hands in confusion. And then we get the star wipe ending, like always, and the closer. So here's the interesting thing with the Japanese version. That is, everything's the same. The only difference is the song. Kirby sings the exact same poyos the entire way. And here's where it gets interesting. That is because uh, if you've ever watched the Japanese version at any time, or if you've seen the closer for the Japanese version, uh, you'll recognize the song that Kirby sings. Kirby is actually singing the closer of the Japanese version, which is called Kihon Wamaru. The closer teaches you how to draw Kirby and King Dedede, by the way. So, Kirby sings poyos for the entire song. Like, just think of Kihon Wamaru, but saying in poyos, Kirby does that. And so, uh, I'd say just, just pause this for a second and go hear that closer, or maybe Jinx can play some of the closer her, uh, for this episode. And yeah, after hearing that, you go back and hear the US version, and or just even Japanese version, either way, and you hear Kirby's poyos, you can hear them going to Kiwanwamaru. And that is just so interesting. Like, from now on, I'm like, oh yeah, I can hear that, that closing song with Kirby singing it. And that just makes it so much more interesting, just for the climax. Oh, by the way, the entire scene, like just Kirby singing, that's the same length as the closer itself. So he sings the entire song. So all in all, that was uh, the episode. I enjoyed it a lot. I really like the climax. I love how powerful Kirby is in this. He absolutely destroys Nightmare Enterprises and King Didi's castle while enjoying himself. That is just great. I love this episode for that. Uh, the first half is kind of fun, but the, the, the climax is just so good. Just really good. And we're only going to see Mike Kirby one more time, which is just unfortunate, but it is so powerful that they don't want to let him use that too often, of course. And so that is everything there is to know about episode 31 of Kirby's Right Back at You, the anime. Um, as always, I try to just give you every detail I can find about the episodes, the differences, and just what's going on in them and such like that. And next time will be episode 32, which is a heck of an episode. There are parts in episode 32 that are pure nightmare fuel. It's not a great episode, but it's a fun one, and it also has a tragedy in it as well, where a good guy dies in it. It's too bad. Uh, more on that when the episode comes up. So I'll be working on Kirby's Avalanche soon as well, so expect that episode in the future. And a quick reminder, you can find our podcast on YouTube, Podbean, iTunes, and Google Music Play. Those are the big ones that we have it on. Still trying to get on Stitcher. And uh, you can find us just on any normal podcast feed if you use any of those. To get the podcast, you can find us there. Just put Kirby Dreamcast, uh, Kirby's Dreamcast, or just Dreamcast. That usually will find us. 
And that right there is Kirby's Dreamcast, the podcast. I had fun talking, and I hope you had fun watching and or listening, and that's what it's all about, isn't it? Having fun. Thanks for coming by, and see you next time. (laughs) 